Hi and welcome to the fourth episode of Tuesday Epilepsy Club. Today I'm going to be talking to you about stigma. It's a well-researched concept in literature and for those of us who have epilepsy it's something that we live with day in day out. It's a vicious cycle that people with epilepsy have been caught up in. Stigma causes stress which in turn leads to more seizures and round and round we go. Famous sociologist Jeffman argued that those who are stigmatised are seen as not quite human and targets for stigmatisation and social exclusion, which in the case of epilepsy can be a seizure in a public place or the sight of my injuries and scars following a fit. I'm getting older. I don't feel as isolated as much as I used to, but there were times where I didn't belong anywhere, the popular or the unpopular groups, university was hideous. People have rarely been nasty, but by talking about evenings when I wasn't there, or future events that I couldn't take part in, it made me feel deliberately excluded. Strip poker is not fun when you're stone-cold sober. Jumping in to a lake in February is not fun when you're stone-cold sober. Over time, I began to associate fits with the stress of going out, and so went out less and less. By my early 20s, I loved getting ready to go out, but always returned disheartened and depressed. Today, I have a different approach to parties. I avoid weddings and special occasions for fear of ruining the special day. And with several pep talks in the bag... I can stay an hour at a party and leave on a high. Stigma with epilepsy is, of course, largely based on the stereotype where all seizures are represented as generalised and all epilepsy is chronic and incapacitating. I fall to the ground, choke and spasm, but many other fits can happen without anyone noticing or only in nocturnal seizures. I've been helped many times, but even paramedics can be quick to judge. When I was pregnant with my first son, I woke up on the pavement outside the old Vic in Waterloo with the paramedics asking me to clean up my act and stay off the drugs. They saw the marks on my veins and assumed they were self-inflicted. It never crossed their minds that it might be the result of medical treatment. As they peeled off the armband measuring my blood pressure, one muttered to himself, These goddamn junkies should be sterilised. He began slapping me round the face belligerently, demanding what I'd taken. What's with all the marks on your arms? What kind of crap you feeding your baby? Blood test for my last trimester. I have epilepsy and I'm seven and a half months pregnant. You can stop slapping me now. I wanted to shout. I don't even drink caffeine for Christ's sake. But what would be the point? They didn't exactly apologise, but they did give me a lift to my appointment at St Thomas's, which, in a moment of forgiveness... I decided to accept as an apology. Six weeks later, seeing me covered in fresh bruising, a receptionist at the hospital made a call to social services, citing me as incapable of looking after my baby. For the first four weeks of Oscar's life, social services randomly turned up at all hours of the day under the pretense that they were trying to allocate me help. The intrusion was entirely counterproductive as my stress level soared along with a number of seizures. I don't really remember very much about anything. 
I survived the first few weeks with Oscar, but I didn't thrive as a new mother should. Instead, I was racked with the guilt of my inadequacies, an obvious inability to look after a newborn. Having waited so long to be a mother, I ended up spending most of those early weeks sleeping or unconscious on the floor, my young son being cradled by my husband or my mother. For a long time, I wondered what that woman could possibly have been thinking when she made that call. Did I really look that incompetent? Did anything I suggest, anything I say, anything I did, might say I was a danger to my newborn child? I'd read all the books. I'd done everything right. I went to the NCT classes. I went to pre-pregnancy classes. I went to pre-pre-pregnancy classes. I've been planning this since I was 22. I brought all the equipment. I, I, I was ready for the responsibility. You couldn't be more ready. It was so disappointing, but it was just a perfect example of somebody with a stigma. There was bruising. There was danger. No questions asked. I remember the women sitting behind the desk in obstetrics, always smiling reassuringly. I only have a vague recollection of that particular woman, with little knowledge of my epilepsy. I presume it didn't occur to her. Putting me under such stress actually increased the chances of me and Oscar getting injured, as my fits escalated exponentially. In fact, if you really want to be that dramatic, it increased the chances of me hurting Oscar, and increased the chances of me hurting myself. I didn't have a fit in the clinic, so it was preconceived prejudice which led her to making that ill-fated call. I only had one fit in the whole of my pregnancy. I wonder how she decided. Was it a quick choice? She talked to friends and colleagues for weeks on end and finally decided she couldn't live with herself if something happened. She couldn't live with herself if something happened to that newborn. She didn't think it was a good idea to approach me, couldn't approach me, didn't think it was a good idea to talk to the doctors. I wanted an answer, but it was too late. The experience had been ruined. I remember reading about a study taking place in Hong Kong when I was doing some research for my book, which documented public attitudes towards individuals with epilepsy. Of the 1,128 subjects interviewed, only 72.5% of them considered epilepsy to be acceptable. 72.5%. 11.2% would not let their children play with others with epilepsy. 32.2% would not allow their children to marry persons with epilepsy. With figures like that, you can hardly expect someone with epilepsy to run up to someone else without it and declare... I have this condition. Don't be scared. Above everything else, the study also suggested that more effort be made to improve public awareness, attitude towards an understanding of epilepsy, school education, epilepsy-related organisations, anything really. Don't blame parents for not wanting to leave their children alone with me. It's not only a frightening experience to witness. You need to have faith that your children remain safe. On the other hand, there's an argument that it's part of life. These children are never alone with me. They're always with my own kids, and my own kids look after me day after day. I never leave the house with my kids' friends, and my idea of cooking dinner is heating up a pizza, 
both actions which minimise any danger. During a candid conversation with a friend, they stated they would not be happy leaving their kids in the sole custody of an epileptic prone to multiple fits. Initially I was quite upset, but then I began to wonder if I would. Others have. But is this only due to their inexperience? The thought left me even more confused. Stigma isn't clear-cut. Sometimes the most gentle people, the most generous people you think would have no stigma, actually end up being the most stigmatised, and vice versa. In my 20s, people's bigoted views about epilepsy made an impact on my self-confidence. The more rubbish I listened to, the more insignificant I felt, although I'm sure many people with epilepsy have experienced a much more turbulent path of self-discovery than mine. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I've changed. I've changed a lot in recent years. In my teens and early 20s, I revolted against any labels. I too suffered from epilepsy, but I was not epileptic. You understand the difference? (laughs) Honestly, neither do I. But somehow there was a massive difference, huge, colossal. After about 10 years, I decided, well, it's time. I am epileptic. So the name became not so much a label as a truth. My next step was to choose whether I would be defined by this label or whether it was simply a description of me, like having brown hair and dark eyes. Am I more comfortable with my epilepsy? Or have I resigned myself to a life of inferiority? I would argue the former today. But tomorrow? Who knows? It depends what people's reactions are in the street when I have a fit. It depends what someone says to me, I guess. The fear of stigma never really goes away, does it? Let's face it. After medication, it's something that bothers all of us. It always will. It hurts. It's personal. And it always will be. Thanks for listening. This is Francisca Thomas, author of best-selling Fits and Starts. Stay safe. Most importantly, stay conscious. Take care. Bye.